Hello, everybody. We will be starting in one minute's time. One minute's time. Hello. Ah, oh, look, it works. Good afternoon, everybody. Wakey, wakey. I know you might be feeling a little bit sleepy. I'm blinded, blinded by the lights. Um, I'm Clara Hermit, and we are just about to go into our expert panel talk. Oh my God, that light! I can't actually, I can't see anyone. That's better. I can see someone if I just block it out. That's it. Um, so, how are you all doing so far? I, I need you to make a little bit of noise. I need to know you're all awake. I need to know you're all there. So, on the count of three. Make some noise. One, two, three. You've already done two workouts. You've got three to go. You're not even halfway through yet. Just reminding you. So uh, I'm Clara. I am a presenter for BBC Radio London. I've been there for the last three years. I uh, am also a qualified personal trainer. I'm very much, or uh, well, fitness is part of my life. It's also something that I do um, and talk about a lot in terms of mental health and mental wellness and in terms of self-love. So I'm also a self-love and confidence coach. And this afternoon, we have a panel of experts right before us who are all going to introduce themselves in just a moment. Now, I cannot believe that nobody submitted any questions via the, the Instagram thing that Erin that put out on Sweat London. So I know you're going to have questions. And I just want to reassure you and say this afternoon, there is no such thing as a stupid question. All questions are welcome. These people are here to answer your questions and make good use of them whilst they are here. So if you have a question, just pop your hand up and give me a little wave and I will come and find you with the microphone so you can ask your question to the experts. That good? Wicked. Okay, so let's start. Do you want to take it in turns? Introduce yourself, Erin. Hi, good afternoon, guys. My name is Erin Dussard. I am a personal trainer and have been for the last 12 years. Um, I specialize in strength and conditioning and also body composition. So that's basically fat loss, um, aesthetical goals as well. Um, and I work in central London and have done for the last 12 years. Also the founder of Sweat London. Let's give you a round of applause. Thank you. Um, hi, my name is Jennifer Medhurst. I'm a fully qualified nutritionist. I specialize in gut health, female health, and uh, relationship with food type issues. Uh, I, um, I have quite a big following on TikTok and uh, Instagram. I'm one of the first TikTok partners in the UK and I've been working directly with TikTok to create educational content for the platform under my handle, which is The Imperfect Nutritionist. And the idea behind The Imperfect Nutritionist is that it's meant to be a very inclusive message, a very positive message. I really want to help people create sustainable dietary change, so to kind of stop this yo-yoing that we see quite a lot in society from one extreme to another. It's a very positive message, it's a very inclusive message, 
Nothing I do is about restriction. Keep the things that you love. If you love them in your diet, I'm going to help you hopefully include, it's about putting more nutri nutrients in, not taking things away. And again, very positive message and meant to be about supporting good mental health and physical health as well. Thank so you, Jennifer. Amazing. Manny, Amazing. save the best till last. Oi, oi. Even though you didn't remember who I was <laughs> when I met you before. It's fine though, terrible memory. It is the safe starter now. Yeah? <laughs> um, my name's Emmanuel Vola. Um, on my Instagram handle is Manny O, if we are plugging. Um, <laughs> I am a physiotherapist. I'm really passionate about um, health and, and, and really promoting health equality. I think um, the big thing for me is um, I'm a founder of the Cultural Health Club, which is an organization looking to um, diversify like, leadership in health. Um, I am a running coach. I work with Nike. Um, so you might see me on your NRC apps if you ever use them. Um, and I really do, you know, love helping people get get better and really like get a grasp of their health. So I'm excited to be talking on this panel and excited to answer your questions. So um, hopefully you'll you'll have lots of them. Thank you, Manny. Woo! Okay, now I've got a couple of questions that I'm going to start with, but I can't, because of the light, I can't actually see people. So if you have a question, is it okay if you just come to the side of the stage and then I can, I, I'm not going to miss you if that's the easiest. Or if, if you're waving at me and I don't see you, just make sure that you come and get your question answered. So I'm going to start with Manny. Um, and I just wanted to ask you, what are some of the most common gym injuries that you see? And what are some of the best ways that we can avoid them? Cool. Um, I think sometimes when we think about injuries, we think about the actual injury and the time it happened, but there's probably processes and things that happen before it. So you have too little sleep, uh, you forgot your gym kit, so you're like rushing, you've got to do the workout and it's 25 minutes and you've got to get back to, to work. So I think all those things probably um, influence what happens to an injury. Um, but the big injuries are like tendon injuries, so your Achilles, uh, sometimes in your shoulders you might feel... Uh, certain injuries um, and tendon injuries can can linger and last for a long time and they can be really um, non-specific so like the pain is improves with activity sometimes but then it gets worse if you rest so those are the uh, specific tendon injuries obviously back pain is one of the biggest things people suffer with um, and back pain we know it's not completely linked to to activity or a deadlift can be linked to stress and, and like social factors. So when we think about health, sometimes we think, oh, it's just cardiovascular health or, um, you know, health is maybe our diet. But we also have to think about social health, mental health, you know, our kind of, uh, our, our ability to support each other in a, um, in a community aspect. So like Erin putting this on today, I think is great because obviously some of you guys might meet somebody new and your social health will improve by having that social support and social network. So um, I would say gym, gym injuries are complex, but you know, the big ones are tendon, tendon injuries and back injuries. Those are the big ones I see. Yeah, how do we avoid them? Because I had tendonitis um, at, the, well, at some point this year and it went on in, in my foot for months and it was horrible. It never happened before, just out of nowhere, bam. I was like, so, thanks. So, so boom or bust, does anybody know what that means? Boom or bust is, so like, we're gonna come up to Christmas, right? So Christmas, you might have Christmas parties. So you go into the gym, what happens? Goes, bust, right? <laughs> <laughs> then January comes, everyone's like, boom, I am back. So you go every, week, every day in, in the first week of January and the, you see the gym being 
really busy. And then third week of January, I'll be really busy. <laughs> um, so trying to avoid boom or bust, trying to have consistency in your life. And that's pretty hard, obviously. And, you know, we have lots of things grabbing our attention and, and pulling us left to right. So um, trying to find some way to keep things consistent, even if you do shorter, smaller workouts, 15, 20 minute workouts. We have IG, you know, we have lots of different people you can follow and and, and follow workouts. Lots workouts. of them here today. There you go, lots of them here today. So finding time to keep yourself consistent. Consistency will keep you healthy. Um, and that's with anything, especially sleep, which I want to talk about today, but we'll get on to that. We'll later. get on to sleep. Um, let's go to Jennifer now. A, a question that I wanted to ask about nutrition. There is so much conflicting information. I'm sure you address this, and, and you just mentioned in your introduction as well, but we hear about like the, the paleo diet or intermittent fasting or this. Or, and it, it just sometimes it can feel really overwhelming. And where do we start and how do we create a, a diet that is going to work for us, that we can be consistent with, that we're going to get the, the, the results, but also the energy levels that we want to have as well? Um, it's, a, it's a really good question. And it's actually what inspired me to kind of... to to really do what I'm what I'm doing because of the fact that there is so much conflicting information and who do you listen to, who do you trust? I would obviously say <laughs> you could listen to me, trust me. <laughs> um, but the first place to go would be to make sure that whoever you are listening to is properly trained. So there are regulatory bodies when it comes to dietitians and nutritionists, so always look for someone who's properly registered, properly qualified. But even amongst the, the experts, there's still disagreement on... Um, on how to approach diet. And actually, I think this is what this is the message I'm really passionate about, which is that we shouldn't be dogmatic in terms of telling people what they can and can't do with their bodies. It's an exceptionally personal thing, and our, our bodies are as unique as our personalities. And so trying to say that there's one size fits all diet for everyone, in my opinion, is total nonsense. Um, and actually, what works for one person might not work for another. And so I really, I'm really passionate. I have a, um, a private private nutrition clinic and one thing I'm really passionate about is working with my client to totally create something that's completely unique to them and working not just with their bodies but their likes and their dislikes and their preferences and really trying to create something that's going to work for them not just in the short term but in the long term and it definitely is challenging honestly because you know there are different things happening at different times of year and so being consistent is definitely a challenge but for me it's about focusing on principles I actually have seven kind of underlying principles that I follow and they're applicable to any kind of healthy diet. And they're also, um, they're very malleable to any kind of likes and dislikes. So it, it just gives people that flexibility to do what they feel is right for their own bodies and allow themselves to listen to their own bodies as well. Because your body is gonna tell you what it likes and dislikes. It's, it's about trying to help it get to that point. Yeah, it's just when your mind likes something that your body doesn't like, yeah. and then they're in, <laughs> in this constant argument. Erin, when it comes to, to training, how often should we be changing up our workouts to continue that we get the so we continue to get the best out of them? Because, you know, I see people at the gym that take their they've got the, like the proper pads to write down exactly how many reps they've done, like what weights they've lifted. But I find like if I do that, I just get really bored quite quickly. So. What, is there like a, a way that we can do different stuff but still continue to get results? Yeah, so I think we're, we're all kind of creatures of habit. So we like what we like and we tend to kind of always go back to that. But your body, for, for your body to have adaptation, you need to give it something different. So um, how I generally uh, write out programs is at, at around the three to four week period, your body's 
probably going to go into a plateau if you're doing the same thing all the time. So it's probably at that point where you kind of need to mix it up. And um, it's all about giving the muscles different stimuli by um, either increasing the reps, increasing the weight, reducing the reps, uh, reducing the weight, just giving it a different stimulus um, so that you force adaptation in the muscles. Because if you don't force the, the muscles to adapt, they won't. Um, so yeah, I just feel like you should um, look to change it every three to four weeks. Um, and that just helps um, avoid the plateau. And it just gives you a mental break as well. So if you're going through a, a strength phase where you're lifting heavy all the time, it might be nice to just uh, reduce the weight and do something a little bit lighter because it will give your muscles a different stimuli because they're not used to um, doing that high rep range. Um, and also it just um, will give your joints a little bit of a rest as well. Okay, great. Manny, I know you want to talk about sleep, mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm going to let you do that because you've, you've already dropped that. And <clears throat> I think when it comes to sleep, it's something that people often overlook when it comes to mental health, to physical health, and it's, it's so important, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think um, one of the things I wanted to get across today is that like your pain pressure threshold, so like the, the amount of discomfort you may be able to tolerate changes with the lack of sleep. So they've done this in research and, and identified that actually... So when you go to, a, to the gym and you've maybe had less sleep, you might find that you're, you're more sore or you, you can't maybe push as much. We know it obviously affects performance, but the key thing is that your pain tolerance changes. Um, and I probably want to bring this on to Jennifer. And about I can just feel myself like nodding <laughs> away yeah, 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 everything yeah, that you're saying. I can feel you. I'm like, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so sleep, sleep's a huge thing. It's especially with nutrition, I guess. And Massive. I know people train and exercise for... Um, obviously, to, to manage weight, so I know that's probably a big influential factor. Hundred percent. So if you haven't had enough sleep, which we classify ideally as somewhere between six to eight hours, ideally more towards the eight-hour point, it's amazing what the research shows us in terms of the impact on your body. Yes, it's going to affect your ability to cha uh, to train, but also things like your immunity can go down by seventy percent uh, just from having five hours or less sleep. It's quite a, a drastic reduction in your body's immune system and. Your body's immune system actually plays a, a huge role, in not just in the kind of typical aspects we think of immunity, cough, cold, but actually also it's things like your cancer surveillance system. Um, it's your it, sleep determines how well you age. It's got a ton of different impacts. Also, if you don't sleep enough, it's going to affect your appetite. We know that we eat more when we sleep less. So it, sleep, is, sleep is so, so crucial. It's basically a massive topic in, it, in itself, I would say. Yeah, and I think the quality as well. So... Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm depending on time, so you want to try and get your sleep to, to be as consistent as possible, sleeping at the same time. Um, does anyone here sleep before 10 o'clock? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Impressive. <laughs> I'm literally a big sleeper. Anyone here sleep after 11? Would you guys like any um, sleep tips? So we in, uh, in nutrition, we call it sleep hygiene. I don't know, do you call it that in fitness yeah, too? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so sleep hygiene. There's the things I usually do with my clients to kind of help them get to sleep, ideally before 11. There was quite a majority that were saying <laughs> after 11. Um, I suppose you've got some sleep tips for me as well. Yeah. <laughs> sleep, sleep, sleep tip off. So I would say my number one favorite one yeah. that everyone hates is put that foot, put that mobile phone in another room. Massive what, one. At which, at which point? Um, I would say at least an hour before ideally you want to be agree. in bed. 
ideally. So there's a period of winding down. Probably you want to start winding down for sleep at least an hour before you are asleep, and you want to put that mobile phone away. Mobile phone away at least an hour before you start winding down. And there's tons of reasons for it, but the main reason is actually the blue light that it emits uh, emits from the phone is uh, stimulating to your extreme, extremely stimulating to your brain and it's gonna disrupt your sleep pattern. It affects um, melatonin, serotonin production, which is necessary for the sleep-wake cycle. So that's kind of what's the one main one that people are pretty much all guilty of. <laughs> Come I on, Manny. I think one that probably Aaron might agree with, like training late at, like late yeah. at night or like late in the evening. Because yeah. after you train, you feel that, um, that endorphin rush and your, um, your adrenaline is high, so it's gonna be hard for you to kind of wind down. So, I mean, I have been guilty of training late at night sometimes, but um, I generally like to... Um, <laughs> <laughs> the truth's coming out now. Um, so I do, do as I say, right? Yeah, 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 that's true, that's true. So I've done a session maybe last week at about 10, 10.30. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. That is nice. Yeah, it's bad, it's bad. <laughs> and worse still, because I had a session the next morning at half, half seven, so I definitely don't get the kind of recommended hour sleep that, that you mm. did say. But um, yeah, I, w I wouldn't encourage training too close to when you're about to go sleep because there is that endorphin rush. You do get that high and it takes a little while to kind of wind down. So keep your phone off for an hour, at least an hour before you go to bed and keep it in a different room. And then don't train too close to when you're going to sleep. So don't train too late. Mm. What else have we got? Anything? What about eating and what time we eat? Um, again, so this is a topic of major discussion. Um, and essentially, I would say, firstly, the most important thing to do is listen to your body's cues. Essentially, if you're hungry, I think you know your body's telling you something. It wants some food. So that's the primary focus. But probably if you're starting to get cravings very late at night consistently, you probably need to address what you're eating earlier on in the day. So short term, I would say have something to eat. Never deprive yourself if, if you're feeling hungry and try and make it something that's as kind of nutritious as possible. So some kind of nice pro some kind of nice protein with some kind of good whole grain. So something like yogurt with a little bit of um, oats or something like that is, is quite nice very late. Uh, but ideally, you want to be thinking, what are you having earlier on in the day that's leading to you being so much hungry so close to bed? Because ideally, you're not going to eat just before bed. It's not ideal. Um, and I would say usually when I see this in my clinic, it's because people aren't having enough protein throughout the day. So if you're someone that misses breakfast, but then you're getting very hungry just before bed, you might want to start thinking about having breakfast. So bringing that high quality protein, i.e. eggs, yogurt, all of that stuff into your, d into your day earlier on. And actually the research does show, show us that you, um, you burn uh, energy more effectively uh, in the morning than you do in the evening. So it's actually better to eat earlier on. Again, not true for everyone, but majority of people that tends to be the case. So if you can start having breakfast, uh, that tends to be really beneficial for late night cravings. Manny, have you got one more tip for good sleep? Yeah, I think um, like the culture in London sometimes can be quite intense. So probably like stop working. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> legit, like stop working three hours, like two to three hours before your your like bedtime, because literally people will be like, work, 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 close their laptop, try and go to sleep, and they wonder why their sleep's quality is not great. So um, all those things I think really help like with your REM sleep, which is the you know rapid eye movement sleep, and it's the quality sleep that I think will help you um, absorb all the good work you're doing in the gym and. And um, helps with memories and, and just overall good feelings. 
Yeah, and, and trying to make sure that the bedroom is a place of rest as well. I know sometimes bedrooms can double as offices, as dining tables, as about a million other things, but your brain will subconsciously s associate an area with a certain activity. So it's good to kind of get the TV screen out of the room, obviously mobile phone we've discussed, but trying to make it somewhere that really signifies somewhere comfortable, somewhere relaxing, somewhere that you sleep. So making your bed in the morning so it's attractive to come back in the evening and also keeping the bedroom as a, as a, a dark area as well. So if you don't have blackout blinds to maybe start using some kind of eye mask or something and making sure, yeah, that it's dark and quiet because that really helps to support um, the sleep-wake cycle. Amazing. Now, before we started the panel, uh, someone came and spoke to me. I know I can't see her at the moment, but I had a question, which I'm going to put to Erin. I can see you hiding. <laughs> <laughs> the question was, can you build your legs without building your glutes? Can you isolate and just build your leg muscles without building glute muscles? Okay, so when it comes down to building muscle or losing weight, it's ultimately down to the, the way you fuel the muscles, so in terms of how you're eating. Um, so, yeah, you could train as hard as you want, but if you're not putting in the, the right amount of nutrients, then you're not going to grow, you're not going to allow the muscles to repair. But if you want to um, target the legs, you do like isolation exercises. So isolation exercises are basically um, work uh, exercises that target one muscle, or um, so it's not multiple muscles. So for your quads, it would be something like a leg extension, so seated leg extension, or if you want to work your hamstrings, it would be like a lay down leg curl or um, a seated leg curl. So you want to focus on the isolation exercises. But ultimately, if you want to grow a muscle, you need to make sure you're fueling it with the right amount of food. Okay. So, but you can do that. So potentially, if you wanted to just isolate and grow your your uh, but quads, balance, your balance is important. So it wouldn't look right if you've just got big legs, but no, <laughs> nothing behind. <laughs> and and also your glutes are your your power system for every other movement as well. So it's really important to have strong glutes. So yeah. I wouldn't advise just working on the quads and hamstrings and, you know, forgetting about the glutes. Right, okay. But just, I think just about, so finding balance, yeah. you're saying. Right, does anyone else have questions? If you've got a question, otherwise I'll continue with some of mine. It, yeah, okay, let me, sure. let me jump down. Like, I might challenge Annika. I just need a jumpsuit, hold on. <laughs> What's your question? Oh, what's your best post-workout recovery advice? Is that to me? That's to all of you, I guess, because okay. you can look at it from nutrition, from the terms of, uh, of physio, and from you, Erin, as well. Go on. Let's have it. So immediately after I finish workout, I make sure that I stretch and I cool down as well. Like, there's, there's a lot of people that who are short of time, and that's the moment they finish their workout, they're just off, and they go home, and then they wonder why w they wake up in the morning, and they're really stiff. So it's really good to kind of deload um, by doing a little bit of a cool down and doing a bit of um, stretching as well. Uh, nutritionally speaking, uh, pr definite priority. Depends on the intensity of the workout you've done and also the type of workout you've done. But glycogen tends to get used up in workouts. So we're making sure that you're replacing that with a high quality carbohydrate and then also protein as well. Because obviously once you... Working out is an inflammatory process. You're tearing muscle, so you also need to be rebuilding it afterwards. So protein's vital for that, that muscle repair as well. It, it, that's supposed to happen, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a good thing. Um, our bodies are breaking themselves down and rebuilding them all the time, uh, but they need, they need energy for that. And so protein and high-quality high quality carbohydrates 
you know, it seems, have you noticed there's something similar, protein, high quality carbohydrates? So what you do that's good for a workout is also going to be good for your sleep, it's also going to be good for your overall health, it all feeds together nicely, so yeah. So I think I'll probably come in with like, so people heard of cryotherapy or like cold therapy. Um, so we know that ice baths, the evidence is probably moving away from ice baths being effective uh, for your recovery. Um, it's moving more towards like red light saunas or saunas. So actually going back uh, because you know, we've probably had those as, as recovery tools before, but the evidence is coming back that they are actually useful recovery tools. So using some saunas or um, yeah, red light saunas. Um, and then uh, like the cryo chambers, which are the, the gas chambers, that they're supposed to have some good evidence behind them in terms of recovery. But I think um, to optimize your recovery, probably think about your like periodization or your planning. So like how you plan one session into another. That's the biggest thing that we try and do as physiotherapists, look at people's loading. So loading's a big factor. I talked about boom or bust. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd make sure that whoever I'm working with, I would have an idea of what they're doing, um, how they're doing that, and, and you know, what that, how that fits into their training, their sleep, and their overall lifestyle. So all those things allow me to, like, make a picture of, are they getting optimal recovery? Because our bodies do really, really well at recovering on their own, um, but we sometimes can jeopardize that um, inadvertently. Thank you. Any anyone else got any questions? If just raise your hand if you have a question. If not, I've got more. Anyone? Oh, cool. Yeah. This is good. This is good for my legs that aren't working after two classes, let alone after five. <laughs> Hi. Um, my question is to the nutritionist. Yeah. You said you specialise in gut nutrition. What would be your top three tips for a healthy gut? Oh gosh. Okay. Um. So, there's so many. Um, let me think of the kind of best ones that are a bit more uh, unusual. So, including fermented foods in your diet. It's something that's not so much included in the typical Western diet, and it's phenomenal for gut health. They've done tons of research into this, and it improves um, gut. Um, I'm sure you've all heard about the microbiome, but the diversity of the microbiome and how diverse your microbiome is is, a direct li is directly linked to how good your health is. So including fermented foods. So that's uh, kefir, that's miso, um, trying to think what else, uh, temper, which was actually on the lunch menu today. Uh, Pardon? Kombucha, yes, of course, kimchi, yeah. Uh, things like this. They're not traditionally kind of English things, uh, but they're definitely great to get in there, and they're having a huge surge now in popularity. You can kind of actually get them in most supermarkets. Kimchi's a real ball ache to make, so I definitely recommend buying that if possible. Um, and then, so fermented foods, definitely one. And then, uh, I mean, I know I mentioned it slightly about diverse, uh, diversity, but a, a, a diverse microbiome is a healthy microbiome. And so actually trying to include a diverse range of plant foods in your diet. So this is probably gonna sound a bit intimidating, but actually you really wanna be aiming for 30 different kinds of plant foods in your diet a week. Sounds like a lot, but remember plant foods can be things like um, herbs and spices as well, nuts and seeds. 
And people tend to, I see this again, I see this a lot in my clinic, is people tend to, they got their little habits and they like certain things and they just eat those over and over and over again. So the number of people that just have kind of carrots and broccoli, carrots and broccoli, it's like, that's great. But actually, next time you're in the supermarket and you're going around the shops, try and look in your basket and see how many different types of things you've got. I don't know if you've heard about something called like eating a rainbow. It's become a bit of a kind of term. And actually, you want to be eating, and the reason for that is you want to be eating lots of different colors. So looking sort of for reds, for greens, for blues, you know, onions are white, garlic. And start looking in your basket and be like, right, I'm having my dinner, but right, I've got my broccoli there and my carrots, but maybe I could put some aubergine in. Maybe I should put some tomatoes. And trying to aim for kind of three different colors at each meal, that's really going to not only boost your diversity, but your antioxidant intake because different colors of fruits and vegetables actually denote a different range of nutrients as well. That's kind of why they're different colors. So yeah, d um, 30 different kinds of plant foods, eating a rainbow, and uh, fermented foods. I've got more, but... Brilliant. <laughs> that was three, but uh, people can go and I'm sure look at your, your stuff online and find out lots more information as well. Does anybody else have another question? Don't forget there's no such thing as a stupid right two. We've got two, that's it. We've got a queue form in three. Okay, let's do this. Let's go with you, Joe. What's your question? Um, hello, it's another question for Jennifer, actually. Um, so, which is, uh, when you were talking earlier, you mentioned about seven principles um, that you use for all the different diet, bespoke diets um, and nutrition plans that you come up with, and I just wondered whether you could share those, please. Well, they'll actually all be in my book, which is <laughs> uh, <laughs> next year and oi available oi. from uh, all major retailers. Um, just to say, I've done the three of them. I was already done. Um, mindfully eating, mindfully would be another one that I, I should have mentioned. Is actually trying to engage with your food rather than sitting in front of the TV and just kind of gobbling it down. Uh, actually trying to make it an enjoyable process because the preparation of food is actually partially what contributes to our digestion. So when you salivate, that's actually digestive enzymes in your mouth starting to form and it's your stomach getting ready. You need digestive enzymes in your stomach to digest food. You need hydrochloric acid. And so if you're ordering a Deliveroo and then it arrives in a couple of seconds and you're gobbling it down in the front of the TV, your body's not actually got any time to prepare for the process of eating. So cooking food is actually good for digestion. And then things like taking four deep breaths before you eat, because the number of times we'll just kind of get our food and go <laughs> and not even stop and think. And you have in your atomic nervous system, you have two parts to your atomic nervous system. You have the sympathetic, which is the fight and flight, which is kind of, you know, your high intensity workouts and your, you know, it's that thing where you're running away from a tiger. And so your body's prioritizing all your kind of fight or flight senses. Um, but then you have the parasympathetic, which counterbalances it, and that's your rest and digest. So things like yoga are really good for that, breathing, meditation. We do a lot to stimulate the we do a lot to stimulate the sympathetic nervous system. We do almost nothing to stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system in modern day society. And you need that rest and digest, that parasympathetic nervous system, to be um, engaged to optimize your digestion. Remember, it's one thing putting great food in your mouth. It's another thing if you're actually breaking it down and absorbing it. So while I can, I can give you amazing advice on what to eat, your body's got to be doing that work of breaking it down and absorbing it. And so actually four deep breaths in through your nose, out through your mouth before you start eating switches you from, one from the sympathetic state into the parasympathetic, parasympathetic state and enables your body to just optimize that, that ability to digest and absorb. Yeah, that's another one of the principles. I'll, I'll, I'll leave the rest as teasers. 
I don't know if I've turned this off. Oh, I've got another question for Jennifer. Here we go. Hi there. Um, how do you deal with sugar cravings and just sugar in general? It's a real addiction, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's actually another. That's yeah. another one of the principles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, reduce refined carbohydrates. Um, so yeah, these are things like high processed sugar. So again, deal with tons of sugar cravings in my clinic. A top tip I would say would be to get yourself some licorice tea, um, pucka tea, do a very good one. And uh, they really ha that really helps with sugar cravings. My clients have had really good uh, reports back from that. But essentially, sugar cravings are usually to do with blood sugar imbalance. So if you're getting blood sugar imbalance, it's probably a sign that, and again, that what I do is quite specialist. I'm giving you general tips. So um, you know, keep trying if these things don't work. But generally, most blood sugar, most uh, sugar cravings are to do with blood sugar imbalance, which means you're probably not getting enough protein in your diet. Um, so I would say regular meals. So again, not to be dogmatic about it, just as a kind of a suggestion, try three meals a day with two snacks. That's the kind of the group. I'm not a snacker. I like to have bigger, three bigger meals and no snacks, but everyone's different. It depends what you're doing throughout the day. Um, and trying to make sure that you're including protein in each of those meals. And that actually the carbohydrates that you're having are trying to include some whole grains in there as well. And hopefully that should start to regulate and balance things out. And I would really try and do that at least for two weeks um, and, see, and see what happens. If not, reach out to me on Instagram. I'll give you some more tips. <laughs> Thank you. And um, another question for Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. What is your view on supplements and things like pre-workout? <laughs> oh. Uh, Do I need them? What was the second part? Supplements and things like pre-workout. Um, My teenage boys take it all the time. So, uh, official party line is food first. Uh, I would always like all of my clients to get all of their nutrition from food, from real food, if possible. But look, hey, life life happens. You know, it's not always possible, and so it's definitely better to take things like Huel or you know, other uh, sponsors. Yeah, that, was a, that wasn't a deliberate plug. Um, but these things are great because it's better you have them than nothing. You know, and they are they are good high quality um, supplements and. Uh, it's definitely yeah, it's definitely better than nothing. But I also would like to work with my clients to try and get good nutrition in, and especially for someone who's doing sporty, it can be really challenging. You know, I work um, I work out my private clinic. My private physical clinic is based out of the third space uh, medical in Soho, and uh, so I obviously see a lot of personal trainers, and like it's expensive for you guys. You're out, you're on the go all day. Like how it's just it's not sustainable to just be constantly eating, eating. You need things like that to support you if you're training a lot, and then. Um, where supplements, so you've got the kind of the, the fitness side of it, which is the, you know, the protein powders and the mineral replacements, whatever. But then if you're not someone that's kind of concerned about it from that angle and maybe you're thinking, oh, I need a kind of general hold all just to like make sure that I'm doing everything well, then yeah, absolutely. I would look at, there are certain nutrients that most people tend to be deficient in. They t most people tend to be deficient in omega-3s. They don't tend to get enough B vitamins. Um, and this is high quality omega-3s as well. So when you're picking an omega-3 supplement, try and look at uh, EPA and DHA ratios. That's the, that's the kind of the high quality part of the omega-3s. So that's the one I see pe a lot of people um, don't have enough of. And also it's because of our food system has been so degraded in terms of the quality of the fish now, it actually there's an argument that it's probably better to supplement omega-3s. 
Um, vitamin D, if you live in this country, you physically cannot get enough vitamin D from the sun all year round. So everyone should be supplementing vitamin D. Wait, I don't know if that's official. It's The NHS says it's, it's recommended it's for everyone in the this. The Am I allowed to say the it? The World Health Organization says yeah, well I see a lot of injuries because of vitamin D deficiency. Yeah. So you'll be treating and um, you know going through a program, a rehabilitation program. And then you ask somebody to go and get some bloods and they'll be vitamin D deficient, B12 deficient, and that is linked to their pain and they get vitamin D supplements and pain reducers. So um, vitamin D definitely, no matter your skin type, by the way, that's um, yeah, yeah, a definite thing. So definitely, I think everyone should be taking that pretty much yeah. if you're here in this country. So No, there is no sun very often, <laughs> especially not this year. There hasn't been any. Whilst I'm down here, just to save my legs from one more step up, because I am doing garage and glutes after this, and I think it's going to kill me. But does anybody else have any final questions? This is going to be... Uh, oh, I think we might have time for two. Let's just see. Hi. Um, how do you stay motivated in working out and eating healthy? Let's go to Erin for that one. Um, for working out, I would say um, you just want to be consistent and give your body variety. So that's probably more going to avoid you feeling bored about your workout. So I would say try variety. Um, you don't need to do your best session all the time. Um, sometimes it's good to just be there and get something in because it just builds that consistency. Um, the moment that you, you kind of miss a workout, you can be on like a kind of a slippery slope to kind of missing more. So what I would say is just try and get in the gym and just do something if you're even if you're not feeling like your greatest because you don't need to do your a PB every day. Um, sometimes it could be that you know you just you just want to keep things ticking over. Like con con consistency kind of breeds um, progress. So what I would say is just try and do it often and just give your body a variety by doing loads of different stuff because as well as physically your body needs it, but mentally you kind of need variety as well. Thank you, Erin. Um, do you want to comment, Jennifer, on staying consistent with diet? Um, I mean, it's, it's tough. <laughs> it, is, it is tough. I, I fully um, uh, empathize. And I think the main thing about staying consistent is, uh, is good preparation. So making sure that you've got some good stuff in your home to, to go to, like store cupboard ingredients. So things like we we're just talking about omega-3s. Tinned fish is actually really cheap and a really great source of omega-3. And it's a great thing to just have in the cupboard. And so you can make yourself a quick snack with it. I have a lot of frozen soups uh, in my freezer and so I can do like frozen soup with um, tinned mackerel and whatever on, on toast. That seems to be qu quite a good quick go-to meal. But yeah, it's about preparation and um, yeah, but then also don't be too hard on yourself. Good diet is determined by overall pattern, not by what happened at one or two meals. It's about what you're doing overall. Yeah. I just wanted to add to that because I think it's it, it's really important when it comes to consistency and motivation to look at your mental health and the relationship that you have with yourself. And I feel like I've found the more that I have self-love, the more that I appreciate myself, the easier it's been to be in a consistent workout routine. As somebody who was in and out of exercise and yo-yo dieting and eating disorders for years and years, to make peace with myself and my physical self um, has literally been the thing that has given me the power to be consistent because we all have good intentions. We can all you know, say, oh, I'm gonna go to the gym five times this week. I've got all the healthy food in the cupboard. But, you know, then something happens and, uh, you know, we're not in control of our mind anymore and it can really throw us off. So I think 
it really all starts with your, your mental wellness and making sure that that is on track, whether you need to go to therapy, whether you need to work with a coach, whatever you need to do, you will find that when that is in a better space, everything else starts to fall into place. Um, thank you. Yep, I just wanted to true. add that. And one final question. Um, I know you're just a spokesperson for everyone, apparently. She's been voted. It's okay. <laughs> um, floating, what would be the thing that, the like, one thing that you would say to solve it? Oh, gosh, I actually just... Just one thing. Video. I did a video <laughs> on this the other day. It's a really, really common um, complaint in clinic. One thing. Um, <laughs> stop, stop drinking beer. Uh, that seems to be a big one. There are definitely trigger foods, but the, the thing is, unfortunately, with, with bloating, is it, it can have a million different causes. And so I don't like to say this one thing's going to fix you, because probably not. But I think staying hydrated is helpful and trying to keep track of like what what are, what are your trigger foods what is causing the bloating um, and trying to kind of work it out that way but then actually probably looking to your overall diet making sure you've got good quality nutrition in there um, sorry it's not a bit more of a specific helpful answer it's it generally can have a, a thousand fathers bloating <laughs> don't know if anyone else got any no, but I, I think, it, yeah, it's just different for every single person, isn't it? When yeah. it comes to, I think it's, I don't, I don't know. I, w I want to say I feel like it impacts women more than it does men, but it's also to do with hormones and periods yeah. and all of those kind of things can play into it. But I do think that, like you were saying, it, at right at the start, is about listening to your own body and working out. And, and sometimes it's about tracking things, like doing a food diary yeah. and just working out if there is any kind of pattern also, for me, stress is a massive yeah. impact on like on my gut, and I didn't realize that. I was like, no, not me. It's always going to be food, and then you realize that actually your, how you're feeling emotionally, and this is why I go back to that, has a huge impact on your physical body in terms of your energy levels, like everything. So, yeah, that's why I'm kind of a champion of getting your head in the right space um, and, and making sure that you have love and appreciation for your amazing bodies. Um, thank you all of you for being here, for asking questions. Thank you to our panel of experts. Let's give them a big round of applause. And thank you to you, Kerova, for hosting as well. Thank You're you. very good host. Thank no you. worries. Yes, Thanks, thank I'll you. put that on my CV, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> so um, is everybody ready for their third class? No, no, you don't sound ready. I'm putting this on Instagram, so you better sound ready. On the count of three, is everyone ready for their third class? Okay, go do it. Thank you. Thank you.